Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, hello, everyone. I am Matt Williamson with the first ever Locked On NFL podcast. I couldn't be more fired up to get here to, you know, quote a little something I've said back in the past from time to time. I am fired up. So obviously, you found me, you found the new podcast, and I couldn't be more happy that you did. Um, This is how things are going to go. First off, it's a little different than my past, and I'm going to tell you guys a little about myself, you know, that haven't haven't listened to me before, aren't familiar with my work over the past, you know, 10, 11 years. Um, but this one's going to be a little different. You know, I mean, of all the podcasts and all the radio hits I've done and all the different times of being, you know, quote, on the air, usually I have somebody else with me. And usually I have a pod center or a producer or a co-host or somebody along those lines to, you know, chat back and forth with. And we will have plenty of guests on this show, and it's going to be five days a week. Uh, Right now we're recording. It's about 1230 Eastern Standard Time here in my home in Pittsburgh, in South Hills of Pittsburgh, and I'll make plenty of Pittsburgh references. I'm sure you guys will get tired of, but that's, you know, that's going to happen. Such is life. But mostly you're going to be hearing me, and we'll probably do around 20 minutes, half hour a day, five days a week, uh, with some relevant topics, I might go on some tangents, and we will have some some guests for sure. You know, we'll have people outside the uh, the locked in network, which is something you guys should become very familiar with. David Locke is who's giving me this uh, opportunity, and he has got an extensive background with NBA um, announcing with the Jazz, as well as uh, NBA podcasting. There's a whole locked on network, and we're trying to do the same thing with the NFL now. And there's going to be like, for example, he hosts a Locked On the Utah Jazz podcast. There's going to be one for uh, eventually pretty much every NFL team. And we're going to treat those sort of like our reporters, our experts and whatnot. And we'll bring on the Steelers guy, the Browns guy, the Bengals guy. And hopefully we'll have some conversations about those specific teams. All those guys are not in place yet. So that's not going to be happening immediately today, tomorrow, whatnot. And not to mention, I'm not quite sure how to get a guest on. <laughs> I, uh, you know, like I mentioned, I am used to chatting with a producer or the phone rings, I pick it up and I talk to a co-host and a producer or whatnot. This is all through my computer at home and this is a first go round. I hope the sound is, you know, adequate or, you know, as good as it needs to be. I hope I get it up to where it needs to go. I mean, the technical side of things is not my forte. I just want to sit around and talk football. And once I become a little more comfortable with this program and whatnot, that won't be a problem at all. Of course, that's what we're going to be doing. So bear with me, you know, for these, these next couple of episodes. Hopefully we get out all the kinks. Hopefully there aren't any kinks, but I think I know what I'm doing, and I will soon figure out how not only to get guests on, but we will set up some guests, some people outside the Locked In Network as well. I've got a lot of friends in this business, um, and we'll talk all walks of life of NFL, but a lot of times we will have a guest on from one specific team, and we will talk, you know, five, ten minutes, something along those lines on the Seahawks or the Patriots or whomever. So that'll be a blast, but... 
In the meantime, it's just me and you, and we're going to go around the league and talk, get some of my thoughts on things. I'm sure you, you guys can have a lot of interaction with me via Twitter. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll be able to set up some sort of email that you guys can get direct questions to us and whatnot. Uh, that's probably something that's in the works. Again, this is the first one ever. Very new. But my name is Matt Williamson. I think I told you that already. But here's pretty much my background. And some of you could probably fast forward a minute or two. I'm not going to go into the whole story of how I got into doing this for a living, which is frankly the best job of all time. All I ever do is talk about football, write about football, watch football. So, you know, I'm the envy of all my buddies and people I meet and whatnot. But it was a rough road, and I'm not going to go into that, that road right now. That's a long story. It was a strange path that I took. I was very fortunate. I seized a lot of opportunities. I beat a lot of people for jobs. But my first ever full-time job, you know, quote, football job, when I could stop doing anything outside the football world was at the University of Pittsburgh, which is my hometown, as you know. And I was there three years. Walt Harris is our head coach. And... We went to three bowl games. You know, we were a top 20 team, you know, more or less those three teams, those three seasons. I learned a ton. You know, I was a new guy. I was a, the recruiting assistant was, the, was basically my job. And really more or less what I did back then, and times have obviously changed, and I'm not in the recruiting loop anymore, but a huge pile of VCR tapes, VHS tapes, would show up on my desk every day. And I would go through him and say, oh, this kid's pretty good. You know, move him on to that position coach or his area recruiter or, you know, maybe this is somebody we should, you know, look into. And majority, 98% of them or whatever that came across my desks were basically rejects, but you still sorted all those. Sometimes you go back or the kids change, I mean, especially at that age. age. But, you know, during my time there, you know, I, I helped bring in guys like Joe Flacco, who transferred to Delaware but you know we found him out of Audubon High School kind of out of nowhere he what we were uh we didn't really beat big schools to bring Joe in and you know a little note with him was he played some free safety in high school you know I mean he's a better athlete than people think you know a good kid um obviously he's gone on to do great things uh, I helped recruit Darrell Revis you know and Darrell and I were not at the pit facility at the same time but I helped get him in the building you know and we did a lot of the recruiting with him his father, or his uncle, his, uh, his mother's brother is Sean Gilbert, who is also a Pitt legend and, you know, an Aliquippa guy. Um, that's a, a big time school right here outside of Pittsburgh. So, you know, I helped re- get Revis in the building and a lot of others. And, and namely, the, the one that comes up, obviously, the most is Larry Fitzgerald. And my three seasons with Pitt were Antonio Bryant's final season at Pitt. And if you remember, he won the Bolitnikoff and we had a very good uh, passing game, you know, Walt Harris came from the NFL with a lot of passing game knowledge and really translated on the field back then. And that helped attract Larry to Pitt. And so I, I saw Larry every step of the way, which was really, you know, really lucky for me, to be very honest, because not only is he a great person, I mean, he's just a, a great kid. I mean, back then he would just stop in and watch recruiting tape with me all the time. I mean, he ate, drank, slept football. And, you know, so I was fortunate enough to watch his high school tape. Uh, when he went to military school, I watched all that tape. When he got the when he got the pit, I watched every practice and obviously every game. And he was a phenomenal player. And of course, I've been uh, watching him ever since. And someday he'll be in the Hall of Fame. And so uh, we have many great players during that three-year stretch at Pitt. But he's the one that stands out the most. Obviously, just a special player. 
Um, and then from Pitt, our offensive coordinator was J.D. Brookhart. He was a receivers coach, a coach, Bryant and Larry and all those guys. He became the head coach at the University of Akron, which is, you know, about an hour and a half from me. And he took me with him to be his director of football operations. And I was there with Dominic Hickson, Chase Blackburn, Charlie Fry was the quarterback. And I was honestly, I was only there nine or ten months because one of the things I was doing there was building a relationship with the nearby Cleveland Browns. And uh, some of the people in the Browns organization got in touch with me and said, you know, we're looking for scouts. You know, what do you guys know? And I said, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, like, can I have a shot? You know, and uh, I went in there and interviewed against an awful lot of people. Butch Davis was the head coach at the time, and I, I got the job. Um, didn't go so well. I mean, that <laughs> we were highly unsuccessful on the field, as the Browns have obviously been since they returned. I was there one year. Uh, I got hired the day after they selected Kellen Winslow, um, and I got let go. And my contract got, you know, as many of us did, as Phil Savage and Romeo Cornell came in. Um, the day after we selected Braylon Edwards. So that was many moons ago, but still, I mean, that was an invaluable uh, lesson for me there was, you know, we had Chuck Pagano as one of our defensive back coaches and Todd Bowles and just being around great coaches. And, and Butch was very impressive. And, you know, I went on the road and I scouted pro and I scouted college. And, and we'll talk more about those experiences down the road. But from there, um, you know, like, like basically everyone in the Browns organization, I got let go. And I tied on with Scouts Inc., which is now defunct, but, you know, along with like Todd McShay and some of those guys, we all came to ESPN at the same time. That was 10 seasons I put in there. And at ESPN, I would imagine that's probably where many of you became familiar with what I do. But I was a regular contributor slash co-host slash host of the Football Today podcast. Um, that's where many of you probably heard my voice for the first time. And we're going to do a lot of the similar things on this podcast now as we did then. And those were great experiences. We had fantastic guests, you know, both within the ESPN organization and guys like Barry Sanders and Joe Green. And, I mean, we had unbelievable guests that came through. And I can't promise the Hall of Famers will be coming through on this on this podcast, but you'll still get my, my thoughts on the game. And I had a couple of great producers, and, you know, that was a very positive experience my 10 years at ESPN. And I have no hard feelings. I, I outlasted almost just about everybody that I knew there. I mean, very few last in that organization, 10 plus years or whatnot. And it was a highly successful situation and, you know, wasn't let go because of performance or anything along those lines. But since then, I've been basically a freelance writer. I've been writing for The Score. I've been writing for todayspigskin.com and pumping out a lot of articles. I mean, honestly, busier than ever now at this point in my career. Uh, it helps because I'm getting paid by the article. Maybe I'm a little more ambitious to pump out articles left and right. Uh, I'm still doing a lot of stuff locally here in Pittsburgh, and that'll be enhanced. In fact, I'll be up at training camp uh, all day Thursday and Friday, and I'll have a lot of Steelers insight for you late in, the, late in this week, and I'll go again the following week. So I'll be working with Steelers uh, Radio Network quite a bit. Um, so, you know, the, the, I still also have, have been doing some podcasting. I've been a guest all over the country on radios and, and radio hits and different podcasts. And I started a, a fantasy dynasty, uh, podcast called dynasty blueprint, uh, w w with a, a good buddy of mine. 
And, you know, that, that's been quite successful. You know, Ryan McDowell's my co-host there, and he's been a phenomenal guy to work with. And that's just a real niche, smaller right now podcast where we're talking about Dynasty football. And then Bill Williamson, who brought me over to today's pigskin, you know, who's not related to me. He and I, you know, worked together many years at ESPN, and the two of us are doing a No Relation podcast, where it's just once a week, or the two of us talk for an hour or so about the different goings-on around the league. And it's been fun. We've had one so far. We'll have another one coming up. So there's plenty of places to find me. I mean, on Twitter, at WilliamsonNFL is where to find me the most. But I'm more interested in just talking to you guys, you know, and I'm going to look at this podcast like it's you and I just talking football every day. You know, like I'm sitting in the car with you and we're just chatting about a few few topics that go on each and every day in the NFL that's ever changing. And because it's not going to be super long or there's a lot, not a lot of voices on this broadcast, you know, I'm not going to touch on everything. And I'm not exactly sure how I'll handle Monday after game day. I mean, are we going to break down all 16 games? All those kinks will get worked out, but it's going to be a lot of fun doing so. So now I want to introduce you to the first segment we're going to do every podcast. You know, there'll probably be some sort of little intro, not as long as this past one. I'm not going to need to introduce myself every podcast, obviously. Um, but we're going to call this the front four. And, and this kind of rings home to me. I mean, obviously the NFL has changed quite a bit. Not everyone's running a strict 4-3 like they used to. But again, I'm going to talk about my Pittsburgh roots. And, you know, back in the day, the Steel Curtain, you know, led by Joe Green. Uh, Joe Green, to me, is the greatest Steeler of all time. And single-handedly, along with the Roonies and Chuck Noll and that whole era, is the reason I do this for a living. I mean, if the Steelers weren't as big and popular and successful as they were, I was born in 1973, so you can do the math of when I was old enough to know anything about sports or whatnot, how big you know, the Steelers were in this town, and they remain gigantic. Um, so I kind of credit Joe Green in particular as the greatest Steeler of, you know, I wouldn't do this if it wasn't for that early draft pick by Chuck Noll. So I look at the front four as like that steel curtain, that, that defensive line. And obviously the front four is, it's in the front of the podcast. And what we're going to talk about is just four topics that I want to chat about. You know, every day we're going to talk about the front four. And, you know, there's so much to talk about now as we can talk about everything that's happened in the many months behind us. And we will do some of that. And I promise to dig into some of my takes or how the offseason went things that seem like ancient history now, but are going to be very relevant. And it's a lot of how these teams are thinking. The first one, though, is it's kind of been the story of the whole summer. And frankly, I'm, I'm very happy it's over. And that's the Jets bringing back Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think they played this beautifully because it, I don't think he's very good. You know, nobody seems to agree with me on this because in this fantasy football-driven community nowadays, Boy, he threw a lot of touchdowns. It was his best year of his career. Those things are true. Uh, those things are very true. But he got away with a lot of poor passes. And because he's a Harvard grad, I think people realize, you know, just think, boy, he's a smart quarterback. You know, he's Alex Smith. Well, he isn't at all. I mean, he is a, a very much a risk taker. And I always say it with him that his mind, his decision making writes checks that his body can't cash. You know, Brett Favre got away with it. Jay Cutler gets away with it. Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't. You know, he he, he plays with a similar recklessness and doesn't have the, the big plays, though. I mean, a, a high percentage, almost all of his touchdowns he threw last year were to Decker and Marshall. Huge catching radiuses. He's not super accurate. 
So it sounds like I'm, you know, bashing the move. Why would they even bring him back? But he's still the best option for the Jets. And I'm even hesitant to say this, but remember a year ago, just under a year ago, before Geno Smith got punched out, he beat Ryan Fitzpatrick for the job. You know, I mean, this coaching staff less than a year ago thought Geno Smith was the better player of the two. I'm sure they don't right now, but I don't think Geno Smith's horrible either. I don't think it's time to say, boy, he has no chance to help us in this league. And I think the Jets felt the same way. And I think Muhammad, you know, keeping Muhammad Wilkerson to me would have been a much bigger priority than bringing back Fitzpatrick. I think they handled that extremely well. They, they got back the stud defensive lineman that can align in different techniques all over the defensive front. And he's a great player entering the prime of his career. And they didn't overspend on Fitzpatrick. And to me, that was very, very good business. Um, I, I don't think he's close to the long-term answer. I don't know that Christian Hackenberg is. But that draft pick shows us that, you know, even the, knowing that they could have got Fitzpatrick basically at any point at the right price, they know that he's not going to be the long-term solution. So he's a starter for a year or two. And this sounds crazy after what he did last year, but it wouldn't blow me away if he's not the starter in Week 10 even this year. Again, I just think he's a well, well below average starting quarterback, and ideally he's a high-end backup. So I think the Jets handled this very well. All right, the next thing I want to bring up is the J.J. Watt injury. This is gigantic. I mean, I feel like it's not getting enough pub. I think people just say, this guy's Superman. He'll be back. He'll be the same. And, I mean, he played through a multitude of injuries last year and still is the best player on the planet. At any position, he is the best player on the planet. And I've said this many times. I mean, he is on pace to be Lawrence Taylor. I mean, he's on pace to be the best defensive player that's ever lived. I mean, he's that good. He is a unstoppable force that they align now all over the formation. He's been aligning more as a pure edge rusher of late and just torturing tackles. He's still great, obviously, on the interior. He has no weaknesses. But if you go to Roto World, and I pretty, I, everyone should go to Roto World to keep up with their news, you know, they, JJ, JJ Watt had back surgery, and now he's on the active pup list. And he, he had back surgery on the 20th. And you know, there's a lot of danger right now that he could miss the start of the season. And, and that seems, you know, I, I, and one thing you'll catch, catch me on here is I'm never going to play doctor. You know, I, I have friends that are doctors. They, they went to law school. They went to the med school. They did all the work. There's a reason they make big money. For any of us analysts to pretend like we know anything about medicine, even if we were with a team for 100 years, I think is unbelievably foolish. So, you read the reports and, you know, backs are bad. <laughs> you don't want anyone having back issues, not to mention all the ones he's had of late. But the reason I really wanted to bring this up is not because he is the best player on the planet, which, again, I very much believe. But to me, before this injury, the number one weakness, the number one concern I had with the Texans team was the defensive line other than Watt. You know, Will Fork is a... A quality run stuffer still that's very much in the twilight of his career. And go look at their depth chart. I'm going to plug a lot of different sites here over the the next couple days. Ourlads.com is the best best place out there for, for depth charts. Go check their depth charts and look at the defensive linemen. The, the big guys, you know, 285 plus. I'm not talking about Clowney and Merciless. And I think Clowney's going to have a monster breakout year, by the way. But that's a different topic. Look at the other big guys, the trench players. It's frightening. It's one of the scariest 
areas of any depth chart in the NFL right now. And J.J. makes a lot of problems go away. But like it's the case with many teams, I mean, he's obviously somebody that cannot be lost. And more so because there's nobody behind him. You know, it kind of reminds me of Odell Beckham with the Giants or Julio Jones with the, with the Falcons. I mean, any great player would be a massive loss to any team. But when the rest of the position group is as frightening as this, that's a big deal. Even if he only misses a game or two, I, I don't like their chances. You know, I mean, we're going to talk about the revamped offense, and their defense was outstanding last year. But if J.J.'s not there, or if this lingers, or if he's not the same, that's a big, big problem for, for the Houston Texans. Third thing I wanted to bring up on the front four was two moves by the Lions that, again, don't seem to be talked about enough, is... Just recently, they signed Anquan Bolden, and they also extended Darius Slay. And I love both these moves. I mean, I think this is really good thinking by the front office. Slay is highly talented, has shutdown ability, size, movement skills, physicality. He's been a little up and down, but, you know, corners take a while in this league. I mean, rarely do corners come in and play lights-out football. Well, he's getting better at a rapid pace, and that's a very well-coached defense. They're getting the most out of him. Uh, I think they got him at a bargain rate, you know, and it's smart for him to sign too. What, you know, what if he get hurt or whatnot? So I, I think this is a great move to lock him up for the long term. And along with Ziggy Ansah and, you know, a couple of the, the defense is, is kind of lacking star power outside those two, but those are going to be your foundation players. And I think both of them have the cusp, you know, have a chance to be you know, some of the best players at their respective position, Ansa and Slay. As for Bolden, if you remember when Cooter took over as the offensive coordinator last year, he was very big on, come on, Stafford, you know, you need to get the ball out. You need to be smart. We're not going to, you know, things I talked about with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Cutler and Favre and those guys, Stafford has those traits. But the, the new offense coordinator last year really did a good job of reeling him in. And if you look at their offensive line, they have a lot of resources right now on the offensive line. A lot of early picks, but a lot of them are mashers too. They're heavy guys that are better coming forward and you know blowing you up in the run game, although we haven't seen a run game from them yet. I think that will get better, as opposed to light-footed guys in protection. You know, So therefore, you're not going to be throwing deep a whole heck of a lot. You don't want to, all that room for error with Stafford. So it's going to be get it out quick. And Bolden's perfect for that. You know, not only is he going to be a positive influence on, on the, the entire offense and bring leadership and toughness, but you get the ball in his hands, he breaks a tackle, and, and he picks, picks up eight yards. You know, I mean, he's going to be a chain mover guy for them that they can rely on. Uh, I think that was a fantastic pickup for them. That Again, on the cheap, and, and he'll get early playing time without doubt, in my opinion. So there's so much, obviously, to talk about. You know, I, I have a long list here of topics I want to discuss with you guys, and we will get into many of them, and many of them will overlap as new news comes and whatnot. But the thing I wanted to mention now is, you know, no one's talking, 49ers aren't exactly late-breaking fun news. I mean, they're probably going to be one of the worst teams in the league. There's a big change going on there from the coaches on down. But Anthony Davis is returning now from retirement, and he... Hung up his cleats for a year, and he was apparently had gotten quite heavy. And, and by all accounts, he's back into shape like he was uh, coming into the league. But he's another guy that 
is more of a masher. You know, when you think prototypical, you know, or typical right tackles, that's who he is. He's not a super light on your feet guy, but he's way better. Assuming he's anything close to what we saw before, he's much better than the other right tackles on that roster. And, you know, you pair him with Staley as your bookends. Garnett is a first-round pick. Maybe that offensive line starts to come around a little bit. It was obviously a terrible weakness last year. Um, but my concerns are, you know, when you look at Chip Kelly and with offensive linemen, look at the guys he had in Philadelphia. Guys like Lane Johnson and Kelsey, the center, their best skills are movement. You know, that they're, they don't wear down late in games. They're not fat guys. You know, they're not mashers because they run a ton of plays at a very fast rate. So he needs to find a different type of offensive lineman than the Cowboys or than basically any team in the league, that he needs to find athletes that aren't going to get tired, that can run play after play after play after play. I'm not sure that's who Davis is. So I'm real interested to keep an eye on this situation, see how this pans out. You know, maybe he plays extremely well coming back and other teams in the league say, hey, we'll give you a premium, not premium pick, but a good pick for the guy. And the, the Niners might look at it and say, yeah, he's our best option. He would help us win now, but we're not winning the Super Bowl this year. Let's accumulate a pick and, you know, we'll draft a lighter Lane Johnson type right tackle down the, down the line. But to me, this whole situation is very interesting. You know, how good is he going to be after sitting out? You know, he supposedly is in better shape. How's he fit the system? So I know offensive line talk's not all flashy and all you fantasy guys out there don't care so much, but we're going to talk a lot of line play here on both sides of the ball. And, and this is a very interesting situation for me. All right, folks. I mean, I think this first podcast is going swimmingly, you know, just me and you guys chatting, talking football. Hope to make it a regular part of your, uh, your day, each, each and every day. Download it on iTunes, spread the word, drop me notes on Twitter, at WilliamsonNFL. You know, the Locked On NFL podcast with Matt Williamson. You know, we're going to do a lot of this. So I am very excited about it. And one thing I'm probably going to do, you know, a lot of times during this podcast, at this stage, after that, that front four, we're going to have a guest or we're going to do something or preview a game if it's Thursday Night Football, something along those lines. But right now I just want to give you a deep dig and, and talk about a, a subject, uh, you know, a situation a little more in depth than just breezing over it. And that's in Miami, you know, the, on the offensive side of the ball. And you know, they just signed Arian Foster. How does that fit? Why would they do that? How are things happening with the Dolphins right now? First of all, I think their defense is going to be bad. You know, I think Sue is a total star, but there's not much else on that defense. And safety plays pretty good, but there's not much there that I'm excited about. And I think they're going to have to win shootouts there. And I think this offense has a chance to be maybe the most improved offense in the league. And a major reason is the hiring of Adam Gase. You know, he's had massive success with quarterbacks of all shapes and sizes. I uh, got a, a lot out of guys that you, you wouldn't think. You know, Cutler's the latest example. I think he'll do wonders for Tannehill's career. But this, this organization is also being very smart. And they put a lot of resources into their offensive line. You know, Laramie Tunsil fell to them in, in the first round. They jumped all over it. They didn't hesitate. That was a great pickup. They, they, they went out and 
brought in Carew. I mean, he's a very good wide receiver. First-round pick last year, Devontae Parker. Landry's a foundation player for them. So they have a lot of talent. I mean, even Cameron, you know, the Jordan Cameron, the tight end, if he can stay healthy, is a potential difference maker. And Gase has gotten a lot out of that position as well. Even a guy like Zach Miller last year. I mean, Jordan Cameron's a lot more success, a lot more talented than Zach Miller. You know, I think they have plenty of weaponry. I think they've done everything to make Tannehill successful. And that's what good organizations do is, hey, you know, you're struggling. We're married to you. You're our quarterback. And so instead of making things tough on you or criticizing you or he's not the guy, let's give you every piece in place and, and see what you can do with it. And I think that's what they've done very well. Up until now, they've sort of ignored the running back position. Well, they didn't ignore it. You know, they, they made a play for C.J. Anderson. Uh, you know, they, they brought Arian Foster in earlier. Uh, I thought Jay Ajayi was impressive as a rookie, and I think he'll be a lot better. But he was a fifth-round pick because of his knee, you know, and it's long-term concerns. Uh, how much can you count on him from a medical perspective? So then they use a pick on Kenyon Drake, who I think is more of the Reggie Bush type. I mean, fast, small, certainly not the work you know, the workhorse. Um, by all accounts, horrible in pass protection, though. And, and you guys know that if you come in the league as a rookie, I don't care how talented you are, if you can't protect, and a lot of these guys were never really asked to in college, especially the smaller schools, you can't get on the field, and I think Drake's going to have a very difficult time getting on the field early on. So enter Arian Foster, who he's always hurt. I get that, but he is a prototypical zone runner, and Adam Gase runs a ton of inside zone. So at a minimum, I think he will be very adept at the scheme and be a very positive influence on the two running backs that are you know, in their first and second year that he's going to be in the meeting room with. That's, that pays off huge, potentially, just to teach them, hey, you know, this is how you read this a little bit better, or you know, cut this here, you should have cut this back, or you know, just different little tips of you know, uh, fit in with the scheme. And lastly, the thing I think that's most important, though, is even though Foster wasn't really impressive the last time we saw him as a runner, He's still a very good receiver, a very reliable receiver, a very Ryan Tannehill-friendly receiver. Dump it off to him. Good in protection. Pretty decent route runner. Not explosive anymore. More of a measured kind of back. Uh, you know, Not a quick twitch player and probably never really was. But he knows what to do with the football. And, and I don't know how many games they'll get out of him, but I think it's a really good pickup for them. It just makes a lot of sense considering what they needed at the position you know, before this, and there's not many guys out there. You know, if you're a team like the Redskins right now and you were to go pick up a veteran free agent running back, usually this time of year, there's five or six guys, five or six names that you would consider. There's nobody out there. So Arian Foster was the best of a bad bunch. And I think he'll have, you know, maybe he's not going to rush for a thousand yards. Maybe he doesn't even last a whole month and stay healthy. But I think he'll be exactly what they need as a caretaker and fits the whole philosophy of what they're doing on offense to make Tannehill's job easier and to mesh with, with Adam Gase, who I think is one of the best coaching hires of this offseason. So, guys, that's a wrap. You know, we, we put in about a half hour here. Uh, this is pretty much the plan every day and just chat with you guys about whatever's on my noodle about football. And there'll be something relevant. And, you know, maybe we'll do position or, you know, uh, conference breakdowns at some point, you know, predictions at some point. There's, there's plenty, plenty, plenty to talk about, but I'm, I'm just so happy you guys listened. 
Make sure you download, drop me a note on Twitter, tell me what I did right and wrong and how we're going to improve this and how we can all be, you know, a, a group as one. I'm pretty excited about it. Thanks so much for listening. And we will be talking tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after. So Monday through Friday, I'm going to tape Eastern Standard Time around noon, one, right in that neighborhood, depending on my schedule goes. I have kids and things I need to deal with, especially in the summer. It gets a little hairy. But I'm going to you know, set aside this half hour or so, and we're going to chat every day. And I'm going to try to get it out to you basically the same time every day so you can rely on it. But thanks so much. Take care. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.